the I power of the jinx. I, really yeah, I love strong. how I love I love how Gordo's like I I may have indicated that they were safe. <laughs> I, I Gordo... may have I may have said you know a, a couple I, of words in a certain order that, that I may implied have muttered that they were safe potentially. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you call them safe and then they did. They, there's a good Gordo <laughs> curse is starting, guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Salt Mine. This is Season 2, Episode 6. We are coming at you with one week left to go in the NACL regular season. My name is Gordo. I'm joined by Slayer and TDS once again. That's three weeks in a row. We've kept the same Ooh. class, everybody, to talk about NACL. And excited to start to get into things, really starting to amp up towards the very end of the season. We're going to start getting into playoffs here before too long. I want to open things up, though, with, with a quick short story. I, I logged in to the Salt Mine Twitter yesterday and found that we had just been followed by Slayer Casts. Slayer, what the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, listen, all right? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just exposed. I, did, I don't know at what point I didn't hit the follow back. Uh, I, di I didn't follow. I, I, what do you want me to say here? Okay, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny to call you out to start things off. But you know what? You got me. Yeah, I, I deserve to be shamed for not following the Salt Mine podcast from the jump. But now it has my full endorsement. All right. I do think I do think you were following on the other Twitter. You got two handles, so probably we'll yeah. <laughs> we'll blame that at the end of the day. But just want wanted to start things off with a call out there. And now I think we're safe to move on to Player of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Always have to throw the shade out just in case. Just I had to get it off my chest, man. If, it, if we didn't address it on stream, we'd have to address it off the off the broadcast, and and I don't want to do that. It's the funniest part is I want to preface the fact that Gordo just said he he said pre us going uh, recording here that he's like I'm gonna start us off with something. And he didn't tell me or TDS what was happening, so we just I no, just it's just, it's kind of like it's like knowing. when you break up with someone in a restaurant so that they don't make a scene. We're on the we're on the salt line, so you can't you can't, can't uh, do can't get too <laughs> yeah, offended by it. You have to play it off this way. Uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, let's get into player of the week. It's been a crazy week. Uh, we, we exchanged some messages saying that we don't know what's going on with, with most of the teams at this point in the LCS, uh, or in the NACL, rather. In the LCS, too, but that's its own separate problem. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm going to be the first one to, to own up to some misgivings from last week. We spent a lot of last week talking about evil geniuses. And I now have to give my player of the week to Surdy. How could I not give my player of the week to Surdy, guys? They are 5-1 and one this week. They are 7-1 and one in their last eight games. And this is a team that was, uh, I predicted to be relegated last week. I was just like, yeah, these guys yeah. are screwed if they don't get it together real fast. And they got it together real fast. They won some games. They won a lot of games. And now they're Stunned. like basically out of relegation territory i mean we'll get into that later on but i think a huge amount of credit for that does have to go to surdy i mean both just through circumstance right like when a team was that bad and then suddenly is having the best performance we've seen of anybody all season i mean nobody's done better than five and one tlc goes five and one every other week FlyQuest has gone five and one. Fear has gone five and one. Wildcard's gone five and one nobody's done better yep and evil geniuses has now matched that record 
Uh, and then, yeah, he has some solid performances for himself in there as well. Just spamming, spamming some good old Renekton games. Has some great Cassante performances in there as well. Uh, even in their loss, I think he looks pretty good. He's having some great flanks, and he deserves all the credit in the world for this turnaround. I mean, the rest of the team is looking good too, but you got to trace it all back to Sardi's inclusion in this roster. Definitely a player that I was grappling with making uh, my player of the week. Um, I won't say mine, though, because I know... I remember we're doing this where we discuss each of our each let's, of ours yeah, let's, let's, yeah, around yeah. the board, and then so let's get... Yeah, so Sardi was early up there. Uh it kind of goes back to some of the things. I, I think my favorite thing that I saw from him was something that I, I guess it's a little bit of a pat on the back, but I kind of liked how he played with a Shaden this week a lot. Um, I mean, when you stick him on Fiora, this is also partly to give shout out to Shaden because especially on those like Fiora games, Shaden definitely, no pun intended, shaded towards the top side to kind of help him get leads. And he did really well to execute some of those ganks. And by the end of some of the, uh, some of those Fiora games, he was just having four people run at him in 1v4. And yeah, sure, yeah. he dies. But it's the fact that he's commanding four people to come play against his Fiora. And, and EG Challengers actually learned this week how to play 4v4, or I guess in that instance, 4v1. Uh, which is a lot easier if you if you don't know and so he just yeah really played a, a multitude of roles and uh just adding to the talent of top pool of the top the top lane talent pool that is in the nacl because now if he keeps it up like this like who is actually a, a genuine like average top laner compared to the expectations we had at the start i mean there's very little people yeah, I think the fact that, and it's perfect to meme on something that we said last week, right? The fact that EG finally grabbed onto an identity that they can actually play it around with and make use of with the certain inclusion. I think it was even more prevalent this week where they just enable each other out so well and then they played around the fact that Surdy is such commanding force and they were able to push forward really effectively as team and that's something that we were missing for the most part of the season. But it's good that they are reaching that point at the end of the season at the very at the very least they are reaching that point for playoffs which is going to be the important part of the season realistically they already kind of avoided relegation there has to be a disaster for it to come through so the fact that they are already pushing into that area i think it's really positive for them and the fact that 30 is such a commanding force certainly pushes forward a dynamic that i can see him not only being the player of the week this week but also being one of the most important players looking forward for uh Play, uh, yeah, looking forward to playoffs. One of the most important players over there. I was thinking of him as my MVP, but I think I, I thought of another player on his team as well, and it's the jungler Shaden. I think he's the one to me that deserves a lot of the credit. Not like Surdy didn't do much, but I feel like this week he felt much more accommodated to the rest of the team, not only playing for Surdy, but also facilitating really effectively for the rest of the team. And he also has some good performances, some good pop-up performances here and there that I think are really commendable for him. In reality, it was between him and and Yuji, but that last game kind of inclined the balance more to uh, to the side of EGC. Good stuff. No, I can see giving it over to Shaden as well. I mean, I don't disagree. He had himself a solid week. Uh, as well um you know really adapting well to what i would generally feel like isn't really his meta like i think he, he had a good viego game in there too but you know i generally don't associate him with like the sejuanis of the world of which i think he plays a couple of games he plays a maokai game in there too maybe even a couple of maokai games he plays an ivern game 
Like, these are not really shade and champions. So I do want to give him props for hopping onto stuff that's outside his comfort zone and still performing. Yeah. Um, so no, that's that's a fair choice as well. I definitely uh, would not fault you there. And if this team were in a vacuum, I would probably be leaning up towards Shaden or maybe even King, who I think does something similar. Like he also busts out stuff like the Seraphine um, and looks really good on it. But uh, it's the circumstances, man. I can't not give it to Surdy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to... I'm obviously like that pick too. Kind of, it's kind of like the two for one is both those. I, I like a lot of what I just talked about. I think I think Shaden and Sturdy were the ones that were the catalyst behind the five and one week from EGC. Um, and if you want to pick either one of them as your as your player of the week, I, I certainly get it. Uh, I guess that leaves mine up. I'm not very happy that I'm picking this, but I'm willing to. I'm willing to pick players to, despite how my opinions of them in pre previous weeks have felt like, and I'm going to be the only one to pick a TL player. I'm actually going to give it to Harry. I I, I'm for, I didn't really want to, um, but I just realized through most of their games, he not only was playing a multitude of champions, he had Jace games, he had, you know, like Tristana games, uh, he had a LeBlanc game as well, which... Started off pretty well, and then Shochi kind of shut him up, but it, it at least had, like, some good points in it. Uh, and I really just think he performed very, very well. My, my favorite play was, uh, I believe they were playing, I, I, I switch up the teams that they always play in my mind. Yeah, they're playing, yeah, they was playing Disguise. So Disguise, both the games against Disguise were arguably close and pretty, kind of the best series of the weekend in my mind. But that second game when... Harry was on the the Jace, and mm -hmm. late in that game, he he goes topside to kill off Fake God and for for two for one, and then teleports back down for Soul Point Drake, uh, behind the pit and helps me because he fired a full blast shock blast on the Drake as Mir went in to help them steal and secure Hextech Soul, and then helps clean up the fight. Like that was that's Harry at his peak right there, and he was doing that all weekend long. And as much as I didn't think it was coming. He, he was my player of the week, and I am willing to admit to my wrong opinions of the previous week. For sure. Okay. Maybe. Go ahead, oh. TDS. Yeah, I was going to say, and maybe it's because the environment is a bit more laid back compared to his previous expectations, because I do think that his performance in the weekend was much different compared to what we've seen so far in LCS. Like, no shade trying to be thrown towards uh, Harry in this situation, but. I do think that he it seemed more liberated from him. Like he played much more comfortably in a lot of those situations, had really good performances. I think that he was able to try and put carry pens on his side and try and carry the team through a lot of the situations. Still think, or I, I still would value more APA in that regard. And I would say, I, I would still argue that APA is a better mid laner. I will always stand by that. But I do think that this felt much more libera liberated from Harry. And maybe it's the environment, the change in environment, the fact that no more like focuses on you because you're not on the LCS. It kind of took away some weights, and maybe that's why the performance comes through like that from Harry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's a valid argument. I mean, you do also have to like contextualize this, right? With this guy has yeah. been training like at the top level for a while, and I'm not just talking about LCS. I'm talking about, you know, Team Liquid went over to Europe for MSI and was scrimming the teams there. They were scrimming Korean teams. They were scrimming European teams. They were scrimming Chinese teams, and they were apparently doing pretty well. Like, I remember hearing word around the MSI scene, right, that Team Liquid had been performing well in these scrims. Uh, a lot of word about Harry styling on caps a little bit, <laughs> an unknown scrim inter in his own right. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, maybe a little bit of stage issues for Harry. Uh, it's, it's really unfortunate to see um, that he wasn't quite able to replicate it on stage. I've been a bit of a Harry hater the whole way through. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I some of that's a conscious effort by me, right? When when there's a team that's as good as that team Liquid Challengers was. Um, I try to consciously push myself to just be like, there's no way all five of these guys are MVP caliber LCS players, right? It's probably yeah. a few of them making it work and the rest of them filling their role. Um, and, you know, it's always hard to make exactly what that call is going to be to figure out what piece of uh, of that Jenga tower will make everything collapse and what piece doesn't really need to be there. Um, I landed on Harry. I, I wasn't, I didn't have super high expectations for him coming into LCS. Um but he looks great coming back down, I do have to say. I think he looks better coming back down than he did even last year, uh, where I felt like that team really ran through Armeo and Ayla as the best jungle support duo in the league and Bradley spamming gangplank games. Um, so, you know, great showing by him, especially in the Supernova series. Delirious deserves full props, just completely slams those games on Akali and Jace. Yeah. What a nuts run from him this weekend. Hope that he can keep it up and, and fight his way back up. I do hope for that for everybody. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, ideally getting his confidence back is probably going to be a, a really important boost back, especially if he wants to go back to the LCS. And positive for him is that there's shown there's now shown success that you can go down and go back up and go back up even better. Insanity's proof that, or Mayo, Ayla, obviously. There's shown that there's proof that you can try and do it. The only caveat to that is that it's an A. So hopefully that begins changing, but it's still an A, sadly. So <laughs> hopefully it I stops being an A <laughs> sometime, <Yeah. laughs> sometime sooner rather than later. On that subject, let's talk about our boys in the LCS because this has been a this has been a big week. Like I, part of my goal with this show, right? was I want to be a source for LCS fans to come and yep. learn about NACL players as they come up. Uh, I get a bit screwed on that last week as APA's subbing in announcement comes in like 20 minutes after we finish recording. Um, <laughs> but I got, I got to hand the mic over to TES first. I mean, take your victory lap here, man. APA is in the LCS. We don't get to preview it. We're kind of post-viewing it here a little bit. Yeah. But he has a great first week. It's so sad, the fact that as the biggest APA fanboy since the start of the show, and a bit before that, I've al I've always been telling people that I would have thrown APA immediately into the LCS. Like, I would have skipped Academy if it was me. He would have gone to LCS immediately. I like, obviously, my test of fire. Just throw them into the fire and see how it goes. And APA, it wasn't a test of fire, namely saying, because it, it wasn't immediately, but he showed, he showed up when he needed to. I knew that he had the pool because he's one of the mid laners that is willing to try and get his hands into champions that are not played that frequently. But he's also fine with playing the meta stuff. Played Tristana, played Six, did amazingly well. People think that Akali will counter it. Guess what? It doesn't work that way. Slams the, the, the opposition perfectly. And I'm so glad that people finally are going to get the chance to see APA a bit more. Obviously, success comes with a bit of taking away from someone else. But that's what happens in sports, and it's unlucky for Harry, but I'm really, really happy for APA. I'm so mad, like Gordo was saying, that last week I was already, I commended on APA. I, as always, I commended on his performance, thought he did great. But 
like the difference by 20 minutes would have been a great speech on why he should be there, why he would be doing great, and why TL would become a better team with APA. Obviously now, after first week, maybe there's going to be a couple of things that are going to impact him, particularly the fact that people now will be much more attentive to whatever he goes with or whatever he tries to play because now there's more like a bit more sample size in actual lcs games to see what he's going to pull through but i feel like he's going to be fine like there's going to be one hiccup like it happened with mns and then he's going to keep on just piling on everyone and i'm going to make the call once again i think he ends the split top three mid laner right now i'll say it wow wow uh I yep. this isn't this isn't an LCS podcast, so I I don't want to. <laughs> I don't think that's the hottest thing in the world, though. I don't know. I don't know. Let's chat about it. I mean, I'm down to we can be a bridge podcast, Slayer. We can be here to talk about. Look, we talk about the NACL Q guys when they're coming up. We can talk about exactly. the NACL guys when they're on their way okay. out. So uh, the, I want to see. That's what matters. True. So TDS, then who are the two that finish above him? Because I want to, I want to get that out of the way. Yeah, it's Jojo, Jojo Kuhn and Insanity, baby. It's it's all <laughs> NA all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could shut out Insanity like that, but no, it's Jojo and MNS to me. Our order yeah. probably will matter. I think MNS will probably end up outdoing Jojo because I do think C9 is going to win again. But it's it's those two that stake out to me a bit more than APA, sadly. As much as I'm a fan. Yeah. So. Number one for me is Insanity, and then Spy Racks will be to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I guess I kind of alluded to the other one there. Uh, I, I mean, it's. Gore's a threat, too, right? Yeah, I could see it, though. I mean, I'm just uh, with the camp that, like, JoJo and MS are just like, like, one, one and two is here, and then, like, yeah. wherever you want three to be is, like, down here. Like, they're just. So I can get behind it. I can get behind it. I. I Obviously, congrats to APA. Uh, I also want to shout out his, his Deathless debut things. Uh, the LCS put out a fun graphic of that. 11, 0, and 14 through his first two games. He joins some pretty, pretty good company. Uh, and Bloodwater. North American company. Yeah, shout out Bloodwater. <laughs> Bloodwater. <laughs> uh but like guys you know guys like sneaky started out at something like this. Ignar even did it at one point. Rain over. Uh, Berserker is obviously there as well. Tactical, believe it or not, for uh, <laughs> how much of a meme Tactical has become in the past couple seasons. But, yeah, I mean, it was so great to see. And it, it's just fun to victory lap on this podcast, how much we support NACL, to see everybody victoring lapping around, uh, you know, the NACL. I just at this point, why not just – I just hope that stuff like this gets these orgs to buy in more to North America once we get to November, December, and the roster mania begins. For sure. I, and, I mean, I memed on it enough last week um, that, uh, you know, it, it feels like we've been here before where we hit, like – what we feel should be critical mass to get NACL talent like promoted more frequently and somehow we managed to regress again. I do agree though it feels a little different this time. I think mainly because they're so successful. Not just that they're present, but that they're like in the upper echelons. Like it came up in like the Twitter discourse this week, right? That, you know, as as exciting as it is that we have five NA mid laners right now we had six NA mid laners back in spring 2021 uh, and that ended up kind of collapsing back down. But I think a big difference then was those guys were 
they were six NA mids, but they were the bottom six mid laners, like Perks mm-hmm. and yeah. Power of Evil and uh, who else was in? Jensen and Jizuke were the import mids at that time. Um, they were all much better than the North American mids. But now it's like APA is looking great in his debut. Insanity is actively outperforming the import that was brought in to, to play over him and outperforming plenty of other players at the same time. Um, you know, JoJo is the best in the region. And that's, I think, exactly what uh, what could really make the difference there. So I hope we stay on that track, uh, and I'm real excited for it. APA, you know, if I had been asked my opinion before he had played his games, I would have been closer to the TDS boat than not. I, I would have been hyped for him. I considered him a day one upgrade, and I'm glad to be proven at least a little bit right there. What I will say is I am, I think, a little bit more concerned about Spyrax. Um He's had a fantastic last couple of weeks, so I think like recency performance makes his substitution make a whole bunch of sense. Because I mean, Fikla has been really trending down, like looking worse and worse week on week. Uh, and Spyrax has had a fantastic couple of weeks, right? Like I think he was a contender for my Player of the Week um, this past week already. But I think that's a bit of like a that's a bit of an outlier for Spyrax, though. I think I have generally been. A little bit less impressed by him. I've said multiple times, like I consider him a slight tier below what I the top dogs in this league who I consider to be APA and Shochi and Young. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he's playing right now as we record. I'm not watching LCS and instead doing this. So <laughs> we'll see if that ends up working. Uh, if that ends up being correct or not. I still believe. You know, I can play both sides, so I always come out on top. Uh, I still believe that any kind of change might be good for FlyQuest. I mean, we've been hearing for a long time that they've had very good scrim results. They just haven't been able to convert onto stage. So bringing in a rookie, forcing yourself to, like, vocalize and go back to basics and and do all that stuff, I think could be very good for a team like this. So I'm still predicting FlyQuest to improve. But I do think, like, longer term, I am a little worried about how Spyrex will adapt to the LCS. But obviously, hoping for the best. Yeah, I would argue Spyrex is a bit more consistent when thinking about like the mid laners. Like and consistent can be both good and bad. I like he's really not going to be the main detrimental factor for your team. But more times than less, I don't see him being the one that is going to shine through either. Like he's going to be a good balanced mid laner. He's not going to make the game losing mistake, but he's also not going to make the game winning play. And that's something that I, I think comparatively to the players you were naming, APA, Shochi, Young, they are more willing to take the risk. And yeah, they may look bad in, in some of those plays, even affect your KDA, but they are more willing to get down there and, and allow for their team to win. And for a team like Fly, maybe the balance that Spyrex brings can be a bit better long-term and short-term because they already have a huge carry player in the form of Prince. So they probably don't need that in the form of, of Spyrex. But if it backfires, I, I think that there's going to be bad a pretty system going against him that it really isn't going to make sense for the kind of player that he is. Like, he's not the one that is going to win your games, contrary to APA. So if they keep on losing like they've done, I think that that is going to be criticism that it's not going to be fair because he's not really that kind of player anyway. I think it's a great point to make. It also kind of... The thing I wanted to say about Spyrex is, I think I said this in our chat after it got announced, is I'm afraid of his champ pool um, being... Because I, I feel like he 
there's a lot of you know we talked last week about you know Shochi played all these unique champions last week. APA started out the split running Nautilus and, and all that and, and and being successful alongside Mir and then went back more to you know the mages that are you know reigning over the meta right now. Spyrex yeah. I feel like it, it is it was always a smaller pool and it's working out now but down the line I really think it could be a problem. I also think that your point, TDS, you make really well is I, I just think FlyQuest are better off as a team if they can bring in a mid laner that could play more utility to try and enable maybe Prince more. And I'm also still a fan of the best speaker that we've seen so far is the speaker that's playing carries on the jungle. Yeah. I, I think he's a way better carry jungle or versus like a more utility oriented jungle. So if you bring Spyrex in, his champ pool's already small. It's already mostly those carry high meta champions. It's like uh, Tristana's and everything we've been talking about with a lot of these mid laners. You have to play him in that role. That pushes Spika a lot more towards the utility. And then you're just detrimenting the entire team of FlyQuest. So you're already setting yourself up for failure there. Uh, I, I obviously hope I'm wrong. I mean, I feel like we all are. We we all we really haven't been the biggest fans of Spyrex, but we would love to be proved wrong it's just this that's how i feel you know yeah and, and while that's true to hedge back a little bit more right that is the meta though right so yeah i think true there's you know there's there's limits on how far i would expect you know a, a team that wants to be a contender um to stray from that um and you know the hope is that this is a star-studded enough team that they can start actually getting some wins under their belt they should have the kinds of players who draw other bans, and you shouldn't be able to just target ban Harry without getting smacked by Spica and Impact and Prince and Vulcan all playing their best champs. Um, you shouldn't. That doesn't mean you won't. So we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. Best of luck to Spyrax, but gotta be gotta be honest on the pod. Before we move on, just as a last point, I think also there's a, a good opportunity that in this situation where he's coming in replacing one of the prospect mid laners that were coming through for the year, if he does is likely well or is likely above the expectations, I think that that can be not only a good confidence booster for him, but also another like addition to the fact that you don't need to keep on looking for the 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 imports if these players are going to perform equal or close to the same to what they were going to bring forward anyway so that's at least a positive aspect to try and look for and it's not that difficult really to try and attain since FlyQuest already was kind of doomed anyway as long as you go above the really bad expectation that FlyQuest had that could be a positive impact anyway yep and that is kind of the meme i was saying this about insanity too is that like all you really need to do in this league for the at least this is how it's been for like 13 years. So <laughs> 10 years, however long LCS has been around um, is, you know, you have like three good LCS games and you'll get a contract next year. So that's, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. No matter how well you perform in Academy, no matter how many years you grind it out, no matter how many Academy titles you win, it's always been play well in a couple E sub LCS games and you'll get your job. So <laughs> let's, yeah, you know, best of luck to Spyrax. APA is like ninety percent of the way there. Like, I actually, I would, I would put money that no matter what happens the rest of the season, APA gets a contract next split. Um, Let's hope so. That'd be shocked. Insanity That'd be as well. Shocked. Let's go APA. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot of time spent about <laughs> our boys getting promoted up to LCS. Let's move on to talk about that last week in NACL. I want to talk about Evil Geniuses Challengers again, guys. They're seven and one in their last eight games. Are they like real contenders all of a sudden? They're basically safe from relegation. 
how good are they? Um, it's, it's hard. So we can keep the dynamic of not understanding what the hell is up with AGC. I would argue, though, that, like we were saying, memeing about it, right? The fact that they changed now their main purpose, try to play more for topside, try and get a more of an identity, try to have a bit more coordinated plays, has definitely pu uh, pushed forward the team. I also would argue there's there, there was a bit of a hit from a couple of teams in, in uh, surrounding EGC, so that also did, did help quite a bit, namely, obviously, MU's collapse. Like that, that also can play a, a big part on on the safety net that now EGC has. But realistically, I do think that their improvement, their quick improvement with the change, really made a difference. And it's good that they were able to to make something out of nothing and now build on some on that on that something even more. Yeah, I I do want to you know to come in here and be a bit a bit of a hater. I do want to point out, you know. Four, five of those eight, five of those seven wins are Supernova two, so two is Supernova, yeah, uh, two is Supernova, and then you go. It's another two to MU, which actually isn't. Who are oh and eight say, in their last eight? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. I will say though, this was the first two losses of MU's collapse. So, so this True. this was the prior week. Yep. So. Everybody had a different scope on MU. Still, it's MU. Um, Supernova, and then one win off Taco. They lost uh, one of the. Their only loss this week was to Taco Teamfish Taco. So, uh, when you throw around the word contender, I say no. But, however, uh, they did take two games off FlyQuest. So it, it's just yeah. I mean, how do we read any of these teams, man? I don't understand it. It's a little <laughs> annoying by this point. Um, I, I I really want to see how they perform in this final week to really if yeah. we're the contender word out because it is quite literally wild card TL disguise. So it's a good test. It's, it's a, a really, really good, good test. test. Yeah. This if 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 they can make this good run, the old dark horse word might start get throwing out if they can, you know, take games off of these teams. For sure. And to take that dark horse thing just one crazier step forward. I mean, FlyQuest has, like, the easiest rec uh, sign-up of games coming into these back three. Um, they have a pretty easy uh, week here. They play all of the bottom three teams. They play yep. uh, oh all teams God. that are competing for relegation are trying to avoid relegation. Um, Merrillville, Supernova, Team Fish, Taco. So they're going to get their record boosted up by that, you got to believe, um, which makes them real contenders to get up into second. It's very hard to touch Team Liquid. So if FlyQuest can get up to second... And then Evil Geniuses are currently sitting in 7th, who will play against 2nd in the first round. And Evil Geniuses is just 2-0'd FlyQuest, man. <laughs> they might actually be able to get the rematch in the first round of playoffs. It's actually, like, really shaping up to look like that. So, if you know, even if FlyQuest is the only top team they can beat, they might get a chance to do it again. Well, technically, oh, last bleed, TL finished ninth when it was 16 teams, right? And they made a run. True. Through the through the playoffs, could have be a similar thing for EGC when they realize how to play and they can improve on that. There certainly there's a potential for the dark horse dark horse race over there. And I do think that right now it feels like the one or one of the teams that has a bit more of a of an idea to what to do, even in the upper echelon of teams, it's EGC. Funnily enough, because I think that fear has kind of been going between things here and there. 
and they've kind of clashed with with ideas within themselves which is really weird because I feel like Fear was one of those teams that had a really defined idea of how to play and how to execute on things. And so far, it's been clashing really heavily between themselves. So I think that it's been taking a hit on their performances and their wins. And then D, uh, DSG, it's a funny team because I do think that they have a clear identity, but their parts are not functioning together to the to the best possible degree. Like this is a, I think we talked about this a bit before. It's a top-sided team, but the top side doesn't function like they are a coherent unit. They function like three individuals that are really, really good, but doesn't really work together in, in, in conjunction. And I think that that's a scary prospect to have because one of the most important things you need to have uh, fleshed out is mid-jungle synergy. And I don't think that they have that just yet. So thinking about that potential going into playoffs, teams that still are struggling with not only identities, but also with playing really, really effectively together, maybe big, may fall victim to a team like EGC that even though they aren't the strongest or haven't shown like the strongest power against top teams, they do have an idea that is coming together. And the better it comes together, the easier it is going to be moving forward similar to what happened to, with TLC last live. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if I can run the transitions here, Gordo, but I do Go have ahead. a lot to say on Disguised. Because uh, there, there, there were multiple points where I was watching back Disguised games and I went, what the hell is Blake doing with nearly every player on the team? Like, quite literally. Mostly, though, and as unfortunate as it is to say, it was Fake God and Tomio that I, I yep. routinely went, what are you doing and why are you in these spots? Especially against TL Challengers. Like, yeah. if they are, if they make a couple, those two make a couple different decisions in that series, I'm willing to wager that they 2-0 TLC. But there was just a couple of times where they're getting picked off. T Tomio at points i think believes that ivern is actually an unkillable champion the way he's like running up and taking some of those snares forward by himself and, and fake god was routinely punished for over pushing without vision of tlc and maybe that flies against supernova maybe you don't get punished by by ta team fish taco doing that but you can't be doing that against tlc and it, it, one of them in particular was right before I believe a soul secure, uh, mm. a, a soul, a dragon soul picked up, and he just gets picked off on this Gwen, who's flashless too. So, yeah, I was just scratching my head, and it's like these are the players that we held up. I said we're, we're gonna we're gonna win it all. We all agree, you know, are gearing up to deserve potential shots at the LCS, especially like guys like Big God, uh, and I was really disappointed by disguise, and and we 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 have routinely come out here with teams even like TLC and been like, all right, we're willing to give you a week, right? We're willing to give you a week where it's like, yeah, it wasn't a great week. I mean, TLC's coming off being two and four. So if we go into this week and disguise look a lot better, then I'm willing to write it off. But it it was difficult to watch at points. Yeah, I mean, I and definitely also, agree. Harry, oh, oh just saying, and also the fact that Harry came down, right? Like, that, yeah. that was a last, well, not last minute, but it was pretty last It minute, was yeah. pretty last minute. Yeah, like, they still had to come together as team as TLC with changing one of their best players. And I think they look better against like DSG than DSG against TLC. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and D like if you want evidence that DSG, you know, has the talent but seem to not really be driving together, 
uh, go and look at the Cincinnati Fear versus DSG series. Just because Cincinnati Fear, their whole thing is they're just fighting you no matter what. They are challenging you to every single fight they can yeah. find. And I, DSG actually manages to win out in that series because they just fight them and they just win the fights. Like They don't have to worry about making right decisions. They don't have to worry about rotating around the map or correct macro play or making trades. Fear will fight them every time, and uh, they have the hands to be able to play that style of game really effectively. So while they don't play that style themselves, you can see they can definitely go toe-to-toe with it against, you know, some of the better mechanical players in the league. You know, that's really where I put players like Shochi and, and Philip in my mind. Um, they got the hands, they got the talent, they just need to find a way to get it all to work together um, differently than they have been. So will be an interesting one to watch coming into this next week. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Maryville, who have completed the impossible. Uh, they've gone 0-6. Uh, nobody's gone 0-6 yet the whole season. Nobody's gone 6-0 and either. And now Maryville have done the 0-6. So maybe this is an omen for the potential 6-0 coming through next week. But a rough run for Maryville, too, who I, I indicated were pretty close to safe last week. They are no longer safe uh going 0 and 6 does bring you right down there and they are just barely hanging on to 8th place right now the power of the jinx i, really yeah, I love strong. how i love i love how gordo's like i i may have indicated that they were safe <laughs> I, I may have i may have said you know a, a couple I, of words in a certain order that that I may implied have muttered that they were safe potentially <laughs> no you, you call them safe and then they did they, there's a good gordo <laughs> curse is starting guys all right, we're, we're going to carry this through. Gordo, well, I, you guys want to see something wild. I, I also think fear is basically safe, even though they are mathematically oh, no. not. So let's let's challenge fate. Let's see if the 15 and 15 fear can can drop below the 10 and 20 Supernova and Taco with one week to go. Well, fear will definitely not get relegated. I'm saying it right here, right now. <laughs> I would honestly love to have like the exact odds for each team to be relegated just to come back here and see who... Who lost the biggest with those odds? It would be amazing to see. But yeah, I would agree. Fear, probably not going to be the one that I would bet on. Like, being honest, it's not even about who's better. It's who's less bad when thinking about relegations. And I, I would argue Fear is way... At, at least, at the very least, they need to get one win to, to, to keep themselves completely separated from the rest. So as long as they get one win, I would argue they are already completely safe. And I mean one individual game win. Obviously not talking statistically. I'm talking about just the fact that looking at how the matchups will go this weekend and what the relegation race is looking like, one game difference is night and day between these teams. So if you get that one victory, it's going to be so, so, so valuable for yourself. And, and then you have to consider that bottom three teams, the fact that they essentially have to go through a pretty similar calendar and then Taco and MU play the last match of the of the of the season pretty much. I think it's the last match of the season technically. It's the last one for uh, each of them. I don't know if it's the last yeah. one period. Like I don't it's know if not it's not the last mainstream. Second to last. Yeah. It's it's the second to last because they play before AoE TLC which would be the last of this. I honestly change the schedule make it so that TLC <laughs> and AoE play before because I think that this would be a way better last match yeah, of the man, season this is the Thursday night football now baby we're doing flex scheduling <laughs> honestly why why, why not flex it like is it the I yeah know. yeah I don't know um I don't I I want to go back to the Marvel point because we can't let them off the hook enough with sure. ah Gordo curse them because <laughs> there, there was 
I, you know, I, I, I talked about disguised. We're making like, there were like individual players making mistakes and getting caught, right? That's not great. You're going to lose games that way. There are quite literally MU drafts, which that means like coaching staff and everybody involved where I'm just, I'm just like, did you guys want to not go on summer's riff? Like, would you rather just FF from draft? Like the game against AOE uh, game one. The entire thing that we have pushed for a couple weeks now is, oh, to beat AOE, you kind of have to target ban Darkwings. You can't give him the great champions of the meta. They don't throw a single ban Dark Darkwings' way. Not that I went back because I remember I was going to track how many times he got target banned, uh, which was actually astonishingly low this week. Zero. They give him Kai'Sa, and he's legendary by 20 two minutes he goes 10 2 and 6 and just blows the game up so i'm just sitting there like all right if, if us on this on this silly podcast know that you have to like somewhat target dark wings to be aoe how 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 are you how does it not happen here so i don't know i was i was very confused at why dark wings was allowed to play kaisa uh in this meta and that's just one of the games i don't have exact i don't know if that happened every game I wasn't that attentive to every uh, mm -hmm. MU game this week, to be honest, but that one just really set me off. Yeah, they, they do throw yep. some bands his way in game number two, but it does not matter. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, it, I think they it, throw four bands his way, actually, the next game. I'm pretty sure. If something like that. It depends correctly. if you consider Cassante to be a Darkwings fan. Because um, <laughs> they ban Tristana, LeBlanc, Poppy, Cassante, Ari. Um, yeah. But, uh, so I'm in debatable. I, in, in the faintest okay, three, of defenses yeah. for Maryville, they do have a rough schedule, uh, playing Disguised and FlyQuest, both uh, tough opponents for them. Um, but uh, the AoE series, I mean, is really the one that stands out to me. I, I mean, I think AoE are kind of on a bit of a resurgence here towards the end of the season. Like, I, I think they're, they're better than their record indicates at this exact point in time. Um but I do agree. I mean, like, the drafts there do get kind of crazy. I think the the, the crazier thing about the Maryville drafts against AoE are that Concept gets two games of Scion. That's one of, like, two champions this guy plays. <laughs> it's there like, you go. Even nobody more. lets Concept play Scion. Every team in the league bans Scion against Concept and against nobody else. Uh, and Maryville just give it to him twice and, like, trying to give Niles these silly counterpicks and it just does not work out. They... And like there's they, they it like comes close to working out too. That's the thing, is you gotta wonder um how different these games up against AoE could have been, because it's like there's a Baron Steel from Will in game number one, and like they botch like two or three consecutive dives in game number two. So it's like they're really like they're beating themselves in this AoE series quite a bit. It's it's very rough yep. to watch. I do not know. It is crazy the trajectory this Maryville team has gone on, right? Because they were, they were, um, you know, at first they came in and they were looking below par. They were looking like they were going to be one of the weaker teams in the league. And then they adapted and they were like actually looking much better. And now they're back to week one form. I don't know how they went back, but they've gone back. So I'm kind of curious how much of that comes from maybe the negative streak, right? The fact that they haven't been able to get another series win. They were coming off up two ties and then one 2-0 loss to one of their direct competitors. Then DSG's game, I think it's more arguably losable because DSG is better than you in almost every aspect, apart from maybe team fighting. And even that game, I think that 
MU played against what I was commending uh, them for, like bringing enemies to their ground and for fighting them in equal in in a way that they cannot potentiate their advantages, but instead have to fight you in their in the same place. And they didn't really showcase that. Like they were still fighting, but it was not the same type of hand-to-hand -hand fighting. It was more so a baby against a lion in that sense. Like you, you really cannot force that fight. Yes, you may want that, but I don't want to see that because it's not going to turn out well and it didn't. And then the direct confrontation against AOE, the most important game of the week technically for you because that's a direct competitor once again. And AOE just completely completely dismantles you. Like I, I would agree with Raph, but I think in-game as well, there were barely any chances that MU got to really showcase any prowess. And I feel like that's that's where I feel like mental now may begin impacting MU. They lost a, another series after that, and now you're playing for your life against three of the four top teams, or five top teams. If I'm not wrong, they go against Fear. Uh, just quickly checking. They go against Fly, Sea, Fear, and Taco, which Taco is another direct competitor. So technically, I would argue they have an easier schedule than Taco because Taco does go against TLC and Fly, Sea. But if they mess up at any point and Taco outdoes them, uh, outdo them in any game because individual games do count, that last matchup is going to be much harsher on MU because if they make a mistake, if they don't get a too big tool victory or anything like that, they are out. So I'm, I'm beginning to think that maybe this week is going to put more pressure on MU's mental and maybe it's going to impact them enough that they are going to get relegated because of it. You know what makes it even worse, TDS? What's the one thing we've said about Taco all year? They love taking games off the top teams for no reason. Yeah. And they're playing the top, <laughs> through top, top three teams, so... God, it does not look good for MU. Yeah, so I mean, let's I mean, let's take that as an excuse to transition into the relegation picture here. Mm -hmm. um, following up on our promise from last week to discuss exactly where these teams are going to be standing. So, Team Liquid, Disguised, FlyQuest, Wildcard are locked. They are going to be here next season. Congratulations to those four teams. Um, Fear, AoE, and EGC are technically not safe but are about as close to safe as you can be uh to jinx it once again fear is 15 and 15 aoe and egc are 14 and 16 each it will be tough for them to drop to the bottom two and get relegated um and then in the relegation tier maryville is at 11 and 19 and then supernova and taco are at 10 and 20 apiece um so those are the teams that i'm really looking at especially with their relatively tough schedules here to uh, potentially uh, face uh, that relegation zone. Um, yep. and, you know, like like TDS was saying, it's really... I, I feel like Supernova's kind of doomed. Um, <laughs> DSG and, and FlyQuest are going to be very tough opponents for them. I think AoE is kind of on a resurgence. I think it's going to be really tough to beat them as well. Um, my, my hopes are not high for Supernova. Uh, and then the fact that Maryville and Taco play each other is also bad for Supernova because one of those two teams is going to pick up those wins. Um, yep. and you would need, you would somehow need both of those teams to do worse than you to be able to pass them up and, and avoid yeah, like, relegation. So that is arguably the main difference, right? The fact that 
AoE or sorry, Supernova doesn't play a direct opponent. Yeah. Like they play AoE the last the last day, but at that point AoE is pretty much saved technically. Thinking about how results go, right? Meanwhile, MU and Taco are playing for survival, so there's not really much that you can accomplish at that point as Supernova because technically there's nothing you can do to try and drag down AOE. And then AOE is not like, uh, this is something that I was going to bring forward with relegation matches as well. Because even though it's the last day, there's still things that you can be playing for that are not relegation. In football, to make a metaphor, you play even to the last day, you can play for European spots, depending on the competition you play for Champions League, for Europa League, even Conference League. But in this case, even though they are not playing, obviously, for another tournament, they play for better seeding. The top four teams are already confirmed. And I'm pretty sure AOE doesn't want to go against TLC or FlyC or, oh, yeah. well, Dixie or one of those. Like, they would rather get in one of those matchups where their competition is closer to themselves. So certainly they want to try and secure the best possible seeding. And seeing how Fear is kind of floundering, EGC may be looking upwards and they could threaten their position. They have to secure every win they can. So those are things that you have to consider also in relegation matches. It's how much is the competition playing for? And that's also another thing that I potentially could benefit. For example, Taco that is playing TLC. TLC really is not playing for much. They are almost secured first, if they, if they, even if they lose the first match. They can still win the second one and secure first place almost. So it, it's really difficult to consider the odds for some teams because their calendar essentially could say they just need to win one game and they are secured first place. And the rest could be meaningless for them. So they don't show anything. And that could give advantage to other teams that are actually playing for something. That is almost always a, a thing you see in regular sport, in sports that do have predication. It's how much it matters for some of them and for their competition. I think you brought up a really interesting point too about um, AOE uh, and how their matches could play out this week because it's a really interesting scenario too. It's so fun to have so many interesting scenarios. I love relegation. Yeah. I know TDS, you already said a lot about that, but I, I love it too. Um, I'm, I'm happy that AOE's here uh, because I definitely spent a little bit of last week being like I kind of am rooting for AOE uh, after the, the Dark Wings Ezreal talk that sure. I had. So it's nice to see they went forward too and they're in this spot. They're in a really nice spot. Mainly because, like you talked about, right? The top four already locked in. Fit the fifth place in in the North American Challengers League. This split has been the hardest thing to figure out. I mean, how how many different teams has it been at this point? Mu was there like not even that long yep. ago. That's how crazy it's been. So right now it's fear by a game. That the thing the thing is though, AOE right off the bat play fear. So if you come out swinging and you can take a, maybe a tie against fear, at least take a game off. You're in a good spot because then. The next day you're playing Supernova, who not been great this year at all. And especially the cherry on top for me here is you already talked about how Teamfish Taco is going to get a, a series against TLC. And they're already yep. like pretty locked into first. That's at the start of the week. The last game of the regular season, the North American Challengers League Summer 2023 split, is AoE versus TLC. There is a very real possibility that by that point, in the final week, TLC is just going to have fun. And you might be able to take a game <laughs> off them because that's like the quite literal end of the regular season. So yep. I think there's a very real world where AOE is in fifth when all is said and done. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly possible here, especially as we're getting towards the end. And given the 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 difficulty of some opponents that like EGC in particular have to face... Um, 
Fear is going to be the question for me, though, just because, you know, they do face off against AoE in the head-to-head. That's going to be a big difference maker. Um, and then Fear also gets to play MU. So we'll see if MU can can kind of rally back. Um, going back to the Maraville versus Taco point, because I think it's going to be one of them, along with Supernova, getting relegated is what I feel. Um, the head-to-head matchup matters a lot, but also, you know, can Taco sneak in an extra win there against a TL or a FlyQuest, especially with their substitutions at mid lane? That's going to be a big question for me, um, just because Maryville already has that one-game advantage, so that's where it gets tough for Taco to supersede it, but I think we have a chance for, like, a really great comeback narrative here from Taco to kind of rally from literally 10th right now to potentially getting eighth making playoffs and and avoiding relegation and that would be a huge story for them um i'm rooting for them to be able to do it i think they've shown a lot more this split than their record would indicate because of how many of those upset wins they've been able to take they got to do it like once or twice more uh and then they got to beat maryville uh perhaps their toughest task of beating a team that's actually at their level (laughs) rather than much better than them (laughs) uh we'll have to see if they're gonna be able to do it it's a difficult one. I won't argue, but that's once again that's the exciting part about relegation. Yeah. You don't know what to expect, and anyone really could be saved until the last second. Yeah, it's a very true point. Uh, it's it's so fun getting to watch because you know this week in particular. Some some weeks you can go in like I I definitely know it's it's probably isn't any of us because we're so invested in NACL, but there's definitely viewers who would go and tune into lcs challengers a path to lcs and they'll obviously come watch for for the for the tlcs for the fly C's, for these high level players you know come watch the mudo on wildcard and this wildcard team is really well but sometimes they'll see you know what's a match from this last week that they'll see uh, uh they'll see aoe mu and they'll go oh yeah. i'm not gonna watch that what, what what is that even like what is even really involved there i don't have any stake in these teams well now everybody's going to be involved in a match like that because relegation's here. And it's just going to make for such a fun week where I'm going to be sitting here. Like, I always try to watch. I know me and Gordo did this over the weekend. We tried to watch one of the two streams so we can really pay attention to that series. And then we I, we go back and watch, like, Path to LCS from that day later. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to have to have both up because every game is just <laughs> going to mean, like, so much for this final week. Yeah. It's going to be a big yeah, deal. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and then uh, I'm also looking forward to not having 30 games a weekend anymore. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to start getting into those playoffs. We're going to get playoffs. to break down some of those matchups. Um, I'm excited to do this show again next week because we'll do... We'll do. I, I think we should run back what we did last time. We'll do some playoffs predictions and we'll also do Ooh. all pro teams. Um, so going to be a bunch of fun. Hope to see you all there as well. But I think that's going to do it. For this week's episode, keep it short and sweet. Uh, go root for Spyrax in the LCS. This is going to drop tomorrow morning, so there will be two more days of LCS in which to watch Spyrax and, and APA. Continue to root for our APA NACL MNS boys. APA MNS today, by the way. What was that? APA MNS today. APA MNS today. It's too, today is Wednesday. It's too late by the time you yeah, guys see okay, this. Yeah. <laughs> go back and watch the bot. Maybe it was cool, or or maybe not. Who's to say? Um but definitely go root for Spyrex and APA the rest of the week. Go check out NACL this weekend because it's going to be awesome. Uh, NACL qualifiers, open qualifiers kick off again this weekend for the second tournament. Uh, TDS and I will be on the Team Ambition stream. Slayer and Bonfire will be on the CCG stream, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, So those are going to be fun streams. Those are going to be good teams. Uh, Both teams, 
Team Ambition fresh off winning the first open qualifier. So will be a lot of fun repping the first place team for once. Uh, CCG finished top eight and have some exciting roster changes as well. So mm-hmm. will be a fun team to check out on there as well. Uh, come tune in in the morning. Entertain yourselves uh, while we wait for NACL to start both Saturday and Sunday. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Salt Mine. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next time when we have a full picture of the playoffs and the relegations.